internet. This is so going all over you. Hello and welcome to this episode of Game on Girl, where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. In this episode, we'll be talking to James from Cloudcap Games. And we'll share our summer favorite game recommendations based on your destination of choice. So stay tuned, and we're glad you're listening to Game on Girl. This week, I'm delighted to have the owner of my favorite local game store, Cloudcap in Portland, Oregon, here with us. James and Kirsten Brady run this community-centered game store in the Selwood neighborhood, and James joins us today to rep for the store. So welcome to the show, James. Thanks, Regina. It's good to be here. <laughs> We're delighted to have you. Uh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you start out with giving us a little bit of your background and uh, your gaming history. Well, background. So I'm um, I'm a scientist by training. Uh, spent twenty plus years in school training to be a PhD research scientist. Ah, um, I didn't know that about you. You were that you yeah. So I finished my PhD here in Portland. Ah, all right. Um, and then I did a few stints with my PhD. Did a few jobs there, but um, there was a point where my faculty member the the person in charge of the lab was retiring and was either find a new job or uh do something else so uh that's how i ended up with the game store was i decided to do something else and stay in portland instead of moving around trying to find jobs oh i know how that goes i, <laughs> I made a similar decision when i finished a phd that i didn't want to leave portland either so <laughs> Yeah, once you get attached to a place, it's hard to... It really is, especially when a lot of those places you're looking at are not um, desirable. Would yes. that have been Would that have been a typical thing <clears throat> for that type of career in research? Is uh, the job changing frequently? Absolutely. It's uh, so all, as an example, all of my friends through graduate school are now out on the East Coast, which is generally where you have to sort of migrate to more mm. jobs out there and then hopefully you can uh after working out there for a while get a job back on the west coast um, wow yeah so it's it, they, they want you to move around and experience a lot of different environments mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of the same thing when you do the academic thing too that you you go to different schools so you experience different faculty and move yeah. your way through the ranks etc cetera, etc cetera. Did yep, you yep. Um, specialize, James? I did. I, uh, I ended up doing my completing my PhD in neuroscience. I started in biochemistry in undergrad and then completed it in neuroscience. You might be somebody we I might use as a resource. <laughs> we're right. We're writing a, a friends of mine are we're writing a, a movie script and one of the main characters is a neuroscientist. Oh, interesting. Okay, I could yeah. I could probably do that. I thought you were gonna have me answer questions about no no no, no. <laughs> it is a seriously low brow so i have this headache <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. not that kind of doctor <laughs> <laughs> i still want that t-shirt you know think geek has a t-shirt <laughs> that says not that kind of doctor <laughs> oh funny yeah but i guess well, I as far as gaming i i think I started with Dungeons and Dragons, I think was where it all where it all began. Yeah, but I mean, I guess you could probably attribute some of it to uh, like Atari and Texas Instruments, so like the computer gaming side of things. I probably my my pop at the time was pretty nerdy, and so he would get all those the latest little gadgets like that. So we had always had those in the house, and I played around with those. But Dungeons and Dragons was the first sort of tabletop. Mm -hmm. experience and so is it like a, a tabletop gaming uh, constant like you started with D&D &D and then you sort of continued to always tabletop game or did you kind of go back and forth with it um, I, I did D&D &D all through high school and then I did a little bit of um, some of the war games the Avalon Hill war games mm -hmm. Axis and Allies Samurai Swords but then in college um, I didn't really do any gaming at all I think it was I didn't really find anyone that I could play games with and the whole trying to, 
I didn't bother being cool in high school, but in college, for some reason, I decided to try that. <laughs> and gaming doesn't really fit into that, or at that time, it did not fit into right. that. Right. So. It's kind of changing a little bit now, but yeah, definitely. it definitely w- would have still been high nerd culture back then. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I think after, it was really after college when I got into grad school that that the cool thing was gone, and I decided to sort of explore the... I'd always played computer games. That's something you can do in your in your bedroom with doors closed and nobody knows. But yeah, as uh, some of our our uh, interviewees have said, the secret geek shame, right? <laughs> yeah, which again is changing. It is. Focus, so. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. But, yeah, board gaming. I picked back up in in grad school and started seeking out people, and then to just sort of learning more about all that I had missed during college. Cool. And then that led into CloudCap. It did. I mean, I was I was in Portland for ten years before CloudCap was established. So doing graduate work, but then mm-hmm. at the same time, I, I actually started my own game group at a pub, a local pub, and that was primarily my friends. But then a lot of new people started showing up. Um, and yeah, I, how I think, long ago was that? That would have been about 2009 to 2010. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Because the board gaming was really beginning to ramp up. Yeah, I think it was around that time that I think like Barnes & Noble and some of those bookstores started picking up board games. And just uh, it, it just got a lot more mainstream at that point. Yeah. So now you own the store with your, uh, with your partner? I do. I guess on paper, I am the sole owner, but of course we're we're married. So if anything happens, it's it's also hers, and <laughs> she constantly reminds me that on paper it's all mine. <laughs> but it it sure makes paperwork easier. <laughs> yeah, one signature instead of two. Yeah, but she um she at the beginning of this year she became full time at at the shop before that um, she was sort of doing some other jobs and was just part-time helping out but we were able to get her into the shop full-time starting this year so that was that was oh, nice. a positive turn there so you know it's it's interesting working with your your mate but it's also pretty awesome so. well congratulations that's that's a, a sign you guys are doing well yeah yeah we're, we're not doing too bad it's still it's still small business. You, you know, every month is interesting and <laughs> a lot of guesswork. <laughs> but uh, it's it's a great job. It's hard, you know, it's hard not to like it when you when you're not looking at the books and the numbers. It's it's a pretty fantastic job that side of it. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I love about your store, um, as opposed to others that I've been to that I won't, I won't name cause I won't, I won't store shame people, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had some questionable experiences in games, other local game stores. Um, you guys are really good at, uh, helping create community and, and creating a comfortable environment. And I brought people to your store who aren't gamers to kind of introduce them to, this is what gaming can be like. Um, and I've always appreciated that. So I'm, I hope, and in my ideological and my um, um, idealized view of the world, I hope that it's part. That's part of what helps with your success is that people tend to come back because you do create a community sense. I think so, and I, I think that was that was really important to us when we did open the store. Was yeah, community's very big, and then that just the ambiance, sort of helping that community develop because Mm -hmm. I, I, in Portland for, you know, the 10 years or so before I started the store, I did go to a lot of other game stores, visit a lot of um, other gaming groups around the city. And that sort of led to my decision to start my own gaming group. And then also eventually to the store was Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of times what happens in the tabletop community, at least is the games can sometimes dominate over the community right and i wasn't comfortable with that and so just trying to find a place where i could sort of settle i just eventually had to say well i'm gonna have to make it myself i think 
Yeah. So how do you um, create that sense of community? Um, we're, I think, for, for one thing, we don't, as, as sort of the retail side of it, we don't do, uh, we don't sell magic card singles or Pokemon card singles, any of the collectible card games. We don't really deal in single cards. Okay. And we also don't heavily rely on um, events for those types of products to, okay. to drive yeah, our, our revenue. And, you know, as uh, I don't, it, it's not that all people who play those kinds of games are, are, you know, create a certain environment, but it does, it does change. I think the attitude, you know, it's, it's very easy to sell a lot of that stuff. And if you, if you really rely on that stuff, you do attract a certain crowd and that mm-hmm. will, that will set the tone for the store. It does. Yeah, it really it, does. It really does. It, it ramps up the competition and the sense of um, sort of an antagonistic community rather than a, you know, collaborative or let's come together and try something out kind of community. Yeah, true. And I think as uh, a lot of times those stores are seeking employees with, with knowledge of those, mm-hmm. of those games. And when you do those games, they, they require a certain level of commitment. That's sort of... If you, if you play Magic or Pokemon or any of those, that's that's sort of all you do. Right. In general, there's always exceptions. Um, and, and so that it definitely changes the, the tone of the store, changes the employees you're looking for, and, and, then, and then, of course, their attitude towards people who don't mm-hmm. play those games or don't have knowledge of those games. Um, so that, that was a deciding not to dip into that extremely profitable side of things uh, <laughs> was sort of, a, I, th- I think that's a, a big factor. Um, the, the way we, we spent a lot of time working on the layout of the store and the, the design of the, the store environment. I think that helps as well. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. There's no doubt. I was going to ask about that because I went online and that that looks like a grown up toy store. <laughs> I, That's exactly yeah, what it feels like when you walk gorgeous. in. It too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everybody I guess that needs was to the, go out to the website and look. That, yeah, give it that toy store feel. I think was was important. So who so all I'm, helped with that design? Um, my wife Kirsten uh, has a design background, so she was integral in that. And we did have a friend at the time, um, Emily Shepard. She she had a degree in um, design, interior design. She helped a lot, um, made us some little models, and so we could, you know, move stuff around. Little three D models we could play with to sort of get a feel of how things would look in different positions. And cool. So we spent we spent quite a while just planning that. We also visited. In Seattle, there's a store called Blue Highway Games, and they have a fantastic environment as well. So we definitely talked to them and got some ideas from them and stole some of their mm-hmm. richer fixture looks and, and feels. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot to there's a lot to consider when you you're running a retail store. Um, I mean, you are selling a product. You do want to attract customers to come into the door to look through the window. And most of the gaming stores I've been to, they've got, they've got shelves on the wall. They've got the cabinet full of dice and cards and uh, miniatures, and then a bunch of eight foot tables. And there's just really nothing creative or inviting about it. Yeah. And I'm sitting on the East Coast and I'm like, oh, my God, I wish I was in Portland. (laughs) When I see your just your storefront. I mean, there's the attention to so much detail to me um, really does the gaming community um, just a, a, a beautiful stroke. It's just kudos off to you guys. Well, thank you. And that's again, that's primarily Kirsten's end of things i always tell her she her title is creative director so Mm -hmm. she's sort of the the master behind a lot of that and 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 i think when you're not not really again not to knock the magic or the collectible card game community but when that is the focus of your store the primary revenue stream 
you don't need to be concerned about appearances, fixtures, tables. Um, there, there's a smells. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. it's a problem. There was a game store I was the, at. The standards are a little bit yeah. lower because yeah. the are. customers, the customers yep. want one thing, and they they sort of ignore all the rest. Yeah. Well, that's exactly the experience I had with a store, a local store, where um, I went mistakenly on a Pokemon tournament day, and <laughs> the, you know, the teenager who was working the, you know, the front, um, you know, walk in and I'm looking to, you know, buy, I'm looking to spend some money, and you know, these games are not cheap, but you want somebody to be engaged with you and when you walk into a store and you can spend you spend half an hour and nobody comes up to see if you're okay or if you need to find anything or talks to you until you ring a bell at the counter and that 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 you know i was like nah i'm i'm not coming back here (laughs) you were in the wrong section see (laughs) yeah i was i wasn't spending money you know i I do everyone i think everyone needs their place and that Mm -hmm. that works for for a lot yep. of people that works that's, that's what true. they want and that's great but i i think we recognize that that you know that experience that you had people like that need a place as well and so that's what we tried to be right and that's one of the things i love about the setup of the store is how you have the tables that come off from the shelves where you yeah. can have people stand around the game um, because circles and just, you know, semicircles in general just create that sense of community where you can stand. And I've been, you know, this year at uh, uh, International Tabletop Day, you could see that people could watch. And even if they weren't playing the game, they could still stand, you know, behind somebody and watch the game as it was being played and still be engaged. And it made a huge difference. And you don't, you know, necessarily think about the difference that an eight foot table makes compared to a smaller space that you can actually move people around. So yeah, that was definitely yeah, a good we move. Were, I'm a big fan of, of circular tables. And then the, the demo tables were a, a key mm-hmm. when we decided to how to build it out. Yeah. Yeah. How long has the store been in business? Um, it'll be four years this November. And how, how, I mean, it's doing well because Kirsten is able to go full time. um, Do you see an upswing at the store? Um, We have, we we grew fast. Um, We, you know, it was some 20, 30% growth year over year the first three years. Wow. Which was far beyond you know, my business plan projection and even my business plan projection, the experts read it and said, um, your, your way, your predictions are, are, uh, overblown. You'll never hit that growth rate. And we actually doubled the, tripled the rate I expected. So that, that went fast and that's, that's how she was able to, to join us. Um, and then we have one other employee this year, things have, you know, sort of, plateaued a bit i think um i think the but that's happened sort of with the whole market Uh, at least the first half of the year the the market in general has slowed a little bit um and it definitely seems to be ramping back up for the second half of the year what do you think you can attribute your success to i i really i think the the community feel of the shop um is really important our game nights we from day one we had a regular wednesday night board game night that's really adult focused and and mainly focused on the modern european strategy games though a lot of other stuff does get played but developing that community early on was pretty vital that really Without any advertising, we really didn't do any advertising, and we still haven't really done any. Um, that community right away, the word of mouth was immense. Uh, we had one of our regulars from day one, game night regulars, who still comes to our game night even though he's moved out of the area. He worked at a restaurant across the street and would constantly send people over to our store. <laughs> Stuff nice. like that, with that community sort of in place in month one, um, it just 
it really skyrocketed us. I think the other factor is we're in a neighborhood with lots of schools, lots of families, lots of kids. Um, and it was, you know, that, that family feel to the store really attracted them. Um, a lot of products that they'd never seen, but were excited about. So yeah. You've got a great mix of games too. Um, in terms of stuff for children and sort of, I'd, I'd say casual games and the, you know, the European meaty heavy games. And I think that that's a strength as well. Like you said, you know, focusing on, on maybe a little bit more diversity in games. Yeah. It's, it's tricky. It's tricky to walk that. I can't even imagine (laughs) how hard that has to be. (laughs) Yeah. The the kids games are, that's a real challenge because some of the best kids games are sometimes not very approachable um, from a rules or learning perspective. Um, Hmm. So it's a, it's a struggle to find the games that are really good, but also really, really easy to learn. Yeah. Mm. Well, you've also got a really great website. Um, Do do you guys hire out for somebody to do that? That was the customer I just talked about. um, Oh, wow. Joshua Chang, he, he and his uh, friend, longtime friend, David Zumini, they, at that point, were just beginning their web design business on the side. And so when, when we had talked, I wanted a new website, they agreed to do it for store credit, you know, instead of cash. So they went ahead with that and they designed that whole thing from the ground up. I mean, it's built on a WordPress background, but they, mm-hmm. they did the style sheet and all that from the, almost from the yeah. ground up. So that right. was really the work. And now I maintain it. Um, but they got it off the ground. That's awesome. Well, there's something that is mentioned on there about um, the variety of games that you guys have and the things that you do and something about um, work from local artists and craftsmen. Right. Yeah, we we try to do as much of that as we can. Right now we have two local artisans uh, we carry. They each make different styles of cribbage boards. And we carry those. Um, we've we've had other stuff. There's a local fellow, Aaron Trotter. We've had his. He makes different sets of sort of playing cards, but with um, his own hand drawn mm-hmm. artists and, or drawings and illustrations of local places. So he started with a Portland deck of cards, and now he's traveled around uh, the nation, and he's got different cities and makes decks of cards for those different cities oh that's a nice touch yeah yeah, they're they're really cool cards and he started you know he started with some basic cards with square corners and now he's finally up to the full-fledged like nice feeling deck of cards rounded corners shuffleable all that good stuff cool that is really cool well i saw a picture of a game on your website and i have to know what the game is <laughs> and it's on it's a it, it's in the carousel images at the top and uh-huh. i've never seen it before but it's got, the board has got a great big um large blue globe on it it looks like water with islands and there's a bunch of little doodles uh, little yep. meeples and stuff what do, do you know what that game is yeah that game is uh cyclades or C- cyclades i'm not sure how to say it but the it's the chain of islands sort of off the off of Greece, I guess, in the Mediterranean. Um, but, yeah, it's Cyclades or Cyclades. Um, great game, and that, that one has an interesting story. A, a customer um, back in year one or two bought that game from us, brought it to game night, and for the next three months probably, that game was played every night at game night. <laughs> Everyone fell in love with it. And then Chris, who, who eventually became an employee, didn't show up to game night for a couple nights. He was on vacation or something. So Cyclades didn't make it to game night. Um, everyone was jonesing for it so bad that, that a couple customers bought another copy and actually donated it to the demo library just so <laughs> it would be whenever they wanted it. <laughs> okay, good. It's going on my Amazon list then because I was like, that looks like a cool game. 
it is it's an excellent game it can go long and uh you probably won't be making friends on that game there's a lot of backstabbing and back and forth on that one so be prepared (laughs) (laughs) but very social a very social game sounds like fun well, since we're we're talking a little bit about more details, then um, what do you think would you recommend as uh, an introductory game for new gamers? Um, I yeah, I was thinking about that. There's so I mean, there's different ways you can go if if you wanted to try and introduce them to strategy games. I think Ticket to Ride is probably the best introduction. Um, anyone can play that game. It's it's a bit based on a rummy style card game, and so that that part of it is easy to grasp. Yeah, it gives uh, a sense of familiarity. That that. Yeah, having that sort of background, if you've you know if you've played rummy or gin rubby, you're just mm-hmm. trying you're trying to get sets, and then you yeah, and, and then you take it a little farther with the board and the trains and the and the points. So. And that it's got miniature I, trains, which people love. Exactly. The yeah. miniature trains are are pretty darn nice. And you can, mm-hmm. if you cover the board with your color, it's you, something you can be proud of. <laughs> <laughs> but we've also had, we've had a lot of luck with, uh, or a lot of success with Pandemic. That's another great one. And I think the cooperative nature of that game really helps bring in new people. Um, they're, they're more comfortable when you're working together with them instead of trying to crush them yeah Um, even with a game that tends to crush you yeah exactly you can lose but at least everyone's crying yeah (laughs) (laughs) well i think that's important too because i think a lot of times when people don't know a lot about board games they just assume um they assume it's going to be a monopoly right yeah because almost everybody's played Monopoly. It has that ubiquitous, you know, oh, this is what a board game is. And I don't think Monopoly is much of a game myself. But um, I think that that's one of the things that sort of cooperative games help with. is like, oh, you don't have to be trying to screw everybody over. <laughs> right, right. You can actually. There's a whole genre there that mm-hmm. <laughs> you're working together. Exactly. I think so, uh, the other, you know, the other thought I had was there's some people just they want to play games, but, but strategy games are just not something they necessarily enjoy that kind of mm-hmm. more logical thinking, you know, thinking ahead, planning, that's, that's more work. And so I, I think something like the resistance or, mm. or coup, which is also in the resistance universe, those are really social games. They allow, they allow more gamery types to still, be tactical and, and think and plan, but they also allow the non-gamery types to to just socialize and sort of see what they can get away with. There's a lot of bluffing and just a lot of talking that goes on in those. A games. lot of acting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's some role playing going on. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Have you played those, Rhonda? No, actually, um, the the guy in our gaming guild just got resistance, and okay. he's been dying to play it. So. Okay, you're going to have to report back <laughs> Yeah, after you play, because it can be kind of a deci- divisive game. Like, it can make people mad. <laughs> well, we it's played not. a really simple card game this past weekend. It was another one he had just bought um, called Love Letter. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that was the same way. I mean, there was bluffing and, and I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> yeah, that's an excellent game. And I think Coup, Coup is, is similar with a little bit more and, and, and a lot more bluffing. So that yeah, Coup is, is I, I had played it once before I played it at your store on Tabletop Day. Um, but I played it twice, I think, at Tabletop Day. And I finally got it. That. <laughs> I finally got it. Like the first time I played it, I don't know what it was. It just kind of went over my head, like the, you know, how to kind of manipulate it. But I could actually see the strategy unfold, and uh, it's it's fun. I like that. I I think I might like it a little bit more than I like Resistance. Um, the Resistance. So. Yeah. Resistance. Now Resistance, you have to have five players, right? At least. Yeah. yeah so I thought. Yeah. And there will be a lot of yelling going on in Resistance. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of accusations. There's a lot of um, speculation as to what uh, people's uh, facial uh, expressions mean or don't mean. There's, you know, yeah. 
there's a couple variations that make it kind of fun too. But um, yeah. Well, I, everybody on the show knows I'm a huge <clears throat> Arkham Horror fan. What do uh-huh. you uh, consider maybe one of the hardest or most challenging games you've ever played? For me, it's probably one of one of the hardest and most challenging that I've played is is also my my number one game of all time, and it's it's called Mage Knight. Um, it is a it's sort of a a card board game implementation of of a fantasy role playing video game. In a way oh. you have your character and you are exploring the land and developing your character as you go and trying to defeat monsters and recruit um, allies to help you. Um, it sounds, you know, like Elder Scrolls or something like that, but it's it's one of these games that will make you reverse your entire turn four or five times um, because you did the math wrong or or you wanted to try something a little different. So it's... It's it's fun in that respect, but it's also really really taxing on your brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like you're behind you're the uh, you're the code behind Elder Scrolls, <laughs> crunching all the numbers to hmm. to make the video game work in a way. But it's it's a lot of fun, and it's a uh, you you know basically your character is a deck of cards, and as the game goes on, that deck grows and becomes more powerful as your character grows and becomes more powerful. Oh, interesting. That that reminds me a little bit of what um there's a uh Blizzard came out with a magic like game called oh. um um Hearthstone. Yep. And yep. um and you actually play as characters, like your decks are characters that you're leveling up. So you have, you know, uh, a mage or a warrior or a rogue and you're as you're playing as you continue to play that deck more you get more cards unlocked and more abilities you get to play with that character okay yeah so i didn't know that was how that worked I yeah our yeah. employees played quite a bit of it and it's been a really popular game but i haven't touched it that that sounds pretty cool that you're actually it is it's it's surprising it was it was surprised i was surprised at how much i enjoyed it and i i have kind of a love-hate relationship with um Magic. I'm not a real big magic fan. Um, kind of because of what you're talking about and the way the community um, unfolds right. around magic. <laughs> right. It's a different community. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. it's a little. It's a little uh, uh, off-putting for me the way that people play magic. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was like, oh, well, Blizzard did a thing like that. But then when I saw that you could actually level it up and, you know, you are actually, you know, generating levels as you go through each deck. Um, I haven't spent a whole lot of time playing it, but it is, it is fun for that. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard many great things about Hearthstone. Yeah. Yeah. Someday I'll try it. (laughs) I have a really hard time bringing myself to to play digital games nowadays. <laughs> yeah. I can actually understand that. I have a harder time getting it, getting into it myself. So, and you know, that's kind of ironic when this is what I do. <laughs> yeah. But when you get that, you know, when you're able to, to get together with friends and play around a table, that's a lot more enticing to me nowadays than, than the digital world. Although I still play my fair share of digital games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do as well. I, I tend to lean more toward the social games, I think, partially due to the aspect of they are at least on some level social. But um, I'm actually introducing some friends to to tabletop gaming this weekend. So, uh, nice. yeah, I'm going to we're going to see what 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 infection vectors we can we can hit <laughs> with them and uh, see if we can get them in, in, interested. Of course, it was because they saw we had Cards Against Humanity that inspired. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yep, that one has been a, a ma- major, major influence on the gaming world for sure. Yeah, it was hilarious because I was at Target one day and um, I was in the toy section for something else, but these kids were there and they were like, "Oh, I don't know if they have it here. Do you see it? Do you see it?" And I'm like, "What are you guys looking for?" And they're like, "Oh, we're looking for Cards Against Humanity." I'm like, "You're not gonna find that at Target." <laughs> 
No way. And even if you did, it'd be behind glass or something. Exactly. <laughs> it would be locked It'd be up. back with the shotguns. Yeah. And... <laughs> hey, we're very disappointed. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we have kids all the time trying to buy it from us. We're always torn. It's not yeah. really illegal. There's no real... <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah. not like it's rated R. It's, you know. No, I mean, it says 17 and up, but that's not... You know, there's no commission that's going to... Right. Shut us no. down. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Well, do you remember the uh, the newest or the last game that you learned to play, the uh, uh, most recent one? The most recent one I learned to play? Yeah, I guess that would be um, a game called Helios, which uh, I guess it was released about a month ago. Um, so a customer, one of our regulars, is very excited about it. Really, really fell in love with the game and finally got to sit down and have him teach it to me. And I did horribly, but it was an interesting game where you know, you're building sort of lands and, and the way the sun, there's a sun disk and it's going to revolve around your lands. And that's going to determine what resources you collect and what actions you can do. Um, pretty, pretty unique game, I think. Hmm. And yeah. Interesting. There's always, always new games, something. I'm yeah. Probably learning two to three games a week at this point. And that's wow. And then forgetting two to three games every week. Because <laughs> I haven't played them in, in a long enough time <laughs> or short enough time. Yeah. yeah. I would imagine keeping up with that would be as an as an owner, it would be it would be challenging too. Yeah, but that's one of the fun parts. That's, yeah. I, I don't mind that part of it. <laughs> I'd rather do that than the books. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Well, you know, you taught uh, me and my game group how to play Seven Wonders, which has become one of my all-time favorite games. Yeah, fantastic. And, and still, when I when I teach people how to play it, I still quote you. <laughs> oh, really? What did I say? Yeah. You told us the first time we played it that, um, you know, if a card was pretty, play it. Yes. <laughs> which is the best advice when you're learning how to play Seven Wonders because it takes so long to kind of catch the strategy and there is a you know great deal of kind of luck involved in it. Um, but that was great advice. I'm like, if it's pretty and you can play it, play it because sometimes it's just that'll just keep you going in the game. Um, yeah, so it's you're still, not, there's yeah. so many symbols in that yeah. game that your first game you, you you can't interpret all that. No, yeah, you can't you can't pick up on the language that quickly. But I've been surprised at my friends who are not traditional strategy gamers who have who enjoy Seven Wonders. So it's 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 kind of got an interesting place in our at least in our group. Yeah, I think that one because there's no real turn taking, so you're never really mm -hmm. waiting turn, and then also a game goes pretty quick. Yeah, um, it's it's a pretty pretty good one for sort of more casual style exactly exactly and just in, in terms of introductions to to gaming and it plays a lot of people too which is nice yeah and we still play a ton of it and it's still very strategic so it's got a lot of depth for a quicker game it does have you played seven wonders Rhonda? no mm -mm. Okay. you have to give me a list for geek girl con oh okay and i'll bring them and then we can we can play them yeah, I've always wanted to play Seven Wonders. I've heard about it probably ever since I first started getting back into board gaming mm -hmm. and, and just never got a chance to learn that one. Yeah, yeah, I have a feeling you'd really like it. Yeah. It's well, hard we, not to go, man. Oh, it's okay. Um, I was just going to say, before we close out, we want to find out, did you get a chance to take the uh, gamer type quiz? I did, and I think, I was it called Role Player? I forget the... Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I, I think that's where I fall. Yeah, I, I don't think I really fit in either of the other two categories. The I self really or mastery. Yeah, when I when I do play role-playing games, it's because I want to try doing something I myself would never be able to do or having a, a set of character traits or flaws that I don't have and try and try and role play those so yeah i think i i think i fit into there i mean my last the last character i played was a a half orc who worked as a as an executioner and, and botched a job and got fired and so then he was a you know, big axe wielding half orc and not very smart so i had a really 
intelligence, so it was fun to try and play that, especially when the rest of the group is making horrible decisions, but I had to keep my mouth shut and act, still act sort of unintelligent. <laughs> <laughs> keep it, keep in character, but I but I enjoyed that. Oh, that's fun. Of role playing. That's sure. really cool. I bet you see, I would imagine, I mean, I don't know, that you would see at least you would be able to identify mastery players who come into your store. Yeah, I think I think most board gamers w- would fall into that category. And a lot of a lot of people do get a certain amount of, you know, self-worth or pride from their performance mm-hmm. board games and I think that draws a lot of people to them. Um, so yeah, the the mastery type is definitely a a dominant board gamer type, I think. Yeah, I I agree. I've seen it. I've seen conflict too with people who I think are a little bit more self gamers who come in and feel like, you know, they're playing for a sense of self-worth and success as opposed to the mastery players who are playing to, to best the game and be the best at the game. And I, I, I can see conflicts erupting in, in a community like the one you're fostering between those two, two types. Yeah. Okay. So that, yeah, the mastery would be the, so mastery people would not, not necessarily be playing for their self-worth, but more for the, exactly. Yeah. The trophies. Just a sense of satisfaction of mastering it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But then we have a lot of, that's, that's a, I think the, the Euro games bring out a little more competitiveness than Mm -hmm. sort of American style games, which involve a lot of conflict and negotiating and um, there you see a lot of a lot more role playing types trying to really get into whatever their faction is, you know, specialized in. Or... Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And and to enjoy uh, the resistance and coup for that reason. Right. Right. Yep. That's a more American. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. Very much so. Great. Well, we'll ask you our last our last big question here. Okay. Uh, how would you define a gamer? I think best definition I could come up with was somebody who who actively sets aside time to play games so it's not just showing up at a party and oh there's a game going on I'm sure I'll play it but actively um, tries to organize people to play games um, goes to find game groups goes to game stores so it's you know it's a hobby that they're pursuing and trying to make happen rather than just having it sort of happen around them and jump in whenever they whenever it's happening i can appreciate that a certain amount of um action involved and uh agency in terms of uh, pursuing gaming yeah because we you know we even have there's a there's a lady right down the street from the shop and you know she's played ticket to ride she's she she's grown up playing rummy and monopoly and all that stuff and She's actively trying to get her friends to play more games, even though she doesn't play all that many of them. She's mm-hmm. actively trying to get her friends to, to participate. So she's sort of in, in moving into that gamer realm there by trying to get them to dedicate a time to sit down at a table and play a game. Right. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, James, we really, really appreciate you joining us today. And, um, I wish you were on the East Coast, but if you, if you ever look to expand, <laughs> come this way, because I bet your shop smells nicer than the ones I've been in. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. We yeah. sometimes have to, you know, work our magic, but <laughs> we try. <laughs> yeah, well, well, thanks, guys. This, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, we really enjoyed having you on. Well, we've been doing summer book uh, recommendations based on your destination of choice, the beach, the mountains, and international travel. But uh, Regina had the great idea to change it up and talk about game recommendations for the summer. I thought that was a great idea. Yeah, we can't we can't leave games out of summer. What would summer be without games? 
No, you're right. And everybody's getting together exactly. and it's a great time for uh, family games and new games and um, sharing game ideas. And it's just, it was a really good thought. I'm glad that uh, we changed course a little yeah, bit. Absolutely. So <clears throat> what about for um, the beach? What do you recommend? Well, my recommendation is something we don't, we don't talk about a lot, but um, my recommendation for the beach is just a regular old pack of cards, playing cards. Yeah, everybody's got those. Everybody's got those. Um, you can pick up a cheap, you know, you won't care if they get covered in sand. You know, some of your no. more expensive games, you don't want your pieces getting ruined. So you won't care if they get, you know, covered in sand. There's a lot of flexibility of different types of games you can play. Um, I spent many a day at the beach playing hearts yep. and spades, even some solitaire when I'm by myself. So a lot of flexibility, some rummy maybe, you know, you can do a lot with a pack of cards. So... Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, I, I think I actually think that my my picnic backpack that I have actually has a deck of cards in it. <laughs> Just standard. <laughs> Very good idea. What about you? What's your recommendation for the beach? Well, it's what I uh, mentioned in the show when we were talking to James. Uh, the new card game I learned this weekend, Love Letter, and it's a game by Alderac Entertainment. Um, it costs less than 10 bucks at Amazon, and it contains absolutely nothing but about uh, 24 playing cards. And it's very easy to teach, and it, it's a quick playing game. So it's something that you could definitely um, take down with your picnic basket uh, down to the beach if you want to. Nice. I've heard lots of talk about Love Letter. Mm -hmm. It's actually it's a very smart little yeah, game. It's been in my, in my Amazon basket for a while, and I might have to just pick that up. Yeah. 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 Well, what about for the mountains? Well, I'm taking a cue from your book selections for the mountains, Rhonda. Oh. For my game. Getting a little uh, scary. Getting a little scary, yes. Betrayal at House on the Hill is my, my recommendation for the mountains. Um, it's, a, it's a game that starts out where everybody's working together, and then at one point in the game, um, the betrayer is revealed, and um, then it becomes, you know, most of the players against the betrayer. Um, and I think that that's, that kind of sounds perfect for, you know, a mountain, mm -hmm. you know, hideaway, you know, getting away with your family or your friends, um, hanging out, you know, wanting to, to, to kind of seclude yourself, you know, could make for a little scary sort of adventure. Definitely. Yeah. What about you for the mountains? Well, with, you're going to the mountains, you're going to be packing up the the SUV or the van. And so I figure carrying along Dominion won't be that uh, <laughs> difficult to do. Um, it's a deck building game. So it's uh, just a, a huge series of cards, but they fit in a regular gaming box, just the basic mm -hmm. um, set of Dominion. It's by Rio Grande Games and you can play with two to four players. Um, four players is ideal. But you can play a game in as little as 30 minutes, and sometimes the games run more depending on whether or not you take expansions or not. And there are tons of expansions. Awesome. Yeah, there are. The number of cards you could get for Dominion is kind of frightening. It's insane. It is. It really is. Yeah. What about for international? For international, I was trying to think of something small but um, potentially engaging. Um, so I want to suggest Guillotine, which is a, a card game uh, that's based... And takes place during the French Revolution. And wow. basically, as a player, you are trying to uh, gather the best um, the best heads. The best heads? Yes. So you have... Okay. Uh, so everybody like Marie Antoinette is worth a certain number of points. All of these, you know, people who are getting beheaded um, have, you know, a certain number of points. And you're trying to collect the most points of, of people who are being beheaded. Um, and I thought that might be kind Perfect. of fun. You know, French Revolution. <laughs> yes. Heads flying, guillotines, you know. And it actually has a little guillotine that's set up. And the, the cards, oh. the cards, like, you line the cards. It has, like, a real guillotine? Yeah, yeah it has a little guillotine. A little, all right, I'm all a little paper guillotine that you actually set up. I played it. I've only played it once, but this is the kind of impression it made. I played it at PAX East, actually, waiting in line with some people. Um, who are just like, hey, you want to come play? And I'm like, sure, absolutely. And I just jumped in. Um, and I always remembered it as, you know, I haven't I haven't played it since then, but it's it's so much fun and it's so cute. Yeah, so there is a little guillotine that you actually set up and um, they're in order of who's next to be executed, et cetera. So, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> what about you for international? Um, well, I struggle back and forth with the international because um, a whole lot of the games that I like to play uh, will – 
not packed. Yeah. To go on a plane. Yeah, I was worried about that. I was thinking about that too for international. But eventually I'm going to have to just throw out that qualification <laughs> and just go with internationally themed games. Yeah, sure. Like um, King of Tokyo. Oh, yes. Awesome. Um, yes. It's a, a very simple game, very easy to explain. And actually the, the parts of the game are not... Um, are, are not that complicated. There's there's a few pips, uh, a bag of dice, which is the essential part, mm-hmm. um, and there are little um, cardboard statues of the different monsters, yeah. and you play one of the monsters, and you're competing for being king of Tokyo. Yeah. I was actually re-watching the tabletop version of that game today and remembering how awesome it is. It is, yes. That's a, that's a great recommendation. And it's it's small. It's, you know... It's mm-hmm. not, you know, one of the, the big, it's not Lords of Waterdeep, you know, where you no. have a huge board and lots of pieces to play. So, and you, know. now you could almost, you could almost just take the, um, the dice mm-hmm. and just play with quarters or, mm-hmm. you know, paper napkins. You just need to indicate where yeah. Tokyo is, have a Tokyo base. Yeah. And um, then, you know, have everybody yeah. draw a picture of their own monster. And, yeah, exactly. And, play and, your, and you'd have your health points and you'd keep track of your health points mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you could totally do that. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, these are our first gaming recommendations for the summer. We'd love to hear what you guys are playing and p- be sure and uh, let us know. We, I love new ideas. I just was writing frantically while we were talking to Jane. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm like four. <laughs> yeah. Um, check out. <laughs> I, we, we finally have been getting our gaming guild going again Good. here just recently yeah. and it's just love it so much so let us know how uh you guys are are playing this summer you've been listening to game on girl you can find all our social media connections on our website gameongirl.com i'm the co-host Rhonda oglesby you can find me on tumblr instagram twitter or email Rhonda at gameongirl.com and i'm your host regina mcmenemy or doc liz with two z's Huge thanks to James from Cloudcap Games for taking the time to join us on the show today. Uh, small business owners always at a, a lack of time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> always hard really for them to get away. So I appreciate that he took the time to come and talk with us about uh, gaming and community and you know the kind of community that can come up from board games. So go out and support your local game store. Get out there, meet some new people, have have new friends, get new friends, have some adventures, and have some good fun. I tell you, some of my best friends I've made board gaming, yeah. <laughs> and they're listening right now, and they know who I'm talking. They they know who I'm talking <laughs> about. <laughs> so definitely check it out and see what you can find in your in your town. Game on Girl is available on iTunes and Stitcher streaming. These links, along with references made in the show, can be found on our website, GameOnGirl.com. This podcast is edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media, and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks for listening, and until next time, game on! Game on!